You are now listening to the London International Christian Church Podcast. Second Corinthians chapter 11. Verse 22, Paul says this, boasting about, of course, his sufferings. He says, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I'm out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I've worked much harder. Been in prison more frequently. Been flogged more severely. Paul says this. Been exposed to death again and again. I mean, if you're exposed to death once, you would think that's enough. He says, I've been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. He says, not one time, five times. Three times I was beaten with rods. And this is not talking about the spanking you got when you were a little kid. No. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I mean, if you're shipwrecked one time, it's going to make you afraid to get on that ship once again, right? I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, he says, in London and outside of London, I've been in danger, in danger at sea, in danger from false brothers. Individuals that claimed they were disciples but were lying. Paul says it put them in danger from false brothers, brothers who were not loyal to God and one another. Falsehood. This is what Paul says. I've labored and toiled and often gone without sleep. Paul says I lost sleep for what I believe in. I lost sleep for the message. I lost sleep for my brothers, my sisters. I lost sleep over it. I've known hunger and thirst and have gone without food. Something some of us can use as a great example. I've been called and naked. Bro, how you doing? Well, I'm called and naked. You have a shirt for me so I can come to church? Pretty uncomfortable. Pretty intense. Besides everything else, and we don't know what that everything else was. It could have been more intense than what God reveals to us through the scriptures right here. He says, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Pressure is of God. 
stress is of Satan. Pressure makes diamonds. It takes a piece of coal and turns it into a diamond. You can't get a diamond without pressure. You can't get diamond-filled churches without disciples that are willing to allow pressure to come on them. And intense pressure to make them diamonds. Who is weak? And I don't feel weak. Paul says, I've been weak at times. I I have been low on, I've been down, I've been hurt, I've been weak. And you've got to be weak in order to be able to relate to the weak. Are you with me here? Who's led into sin? And I don't inwardly burn. I mean, Paul, Paul just wanted to sin so many times. Says, if I must boast, I will boast about the things that show my weakness. The God, the Father, the Lord Jesus, who is to be praised forever, knows that I am not lying. In Damascus, the governor under the king, Aratus, at the city of Damascus, guarded in order to arrest me. But I was lowered in a basket from a window in the wall and slipped through his hands. And the church said, is this not intense? Is this not what Paul says happened to him? There was an intense, there was an intensity about his entire life before he became a disciple and even after he became a disciple. And yet, if you're, if you're here with us, we are right in the middle of a study on the book of Acts. Of course, we had Mother's Day last week, amen for the moms. But we're back in the book of Acts. Turn to Acts chapter 9. We're going to be looking at Paul the Apostle today. And we find that Paul had an intense life. But Jesus had an intense life. And God used Paul... Arguably is the most the most influential disciple after Jesus. He writes almost all the letters. He tells his conversion story over and over and over throughout the entire Bible. God used him. There was an intensity about Paul before he became a Christian and after he became a Christian. His relationship with God was intense. The things that God allowed him to see and to happen to him as a disciple, they were intense. Fierce intensity. And yet this is the message that I see blaring to me when I see Paul the Apostle. He had a fierce intensity about himself. And that's the title of our lesson. Fierce intensity. Fierce intensity. Acts chapter 9. You know, sometimes you just got to wake up the world and wake up the church. Of course, you got to wake up yourself. Paul says this, or the Bible says this in Acts chapter 9 regarding Paul. We'll get into his conversion here in the road to Damascus. It says, meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's Disciples. Of course, we understand what happened. Stephen preached that message right there in Acts chapter 8, and Saul was there giving approval to his death. And here, he's breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. I don't forget, our brother Kip came here to preach to the remnant group. 
and yet there was a death threat put on his head. There were individuals, false brothers, who said, if you come to London to preach the word of God, we'll kill you. And they put a bounty on his head. Now, the bounty, I believe, was only like 4,000 pounds or something like that. Kip goes, is that all I'm worth? 4,000? And yet he preached the word of God. And what, what, what inspires me about that is his unflinching fear to get the gospel out there. I admire that. Amen. Challenged by it. But I admire that. I'll follow that kind of man who could care less what people think and who could care less about this life and will live a life accordingly. And yet we see Paul breathing out those murderous threats against disciples. When's the last time you had a death threat? He went to the high priest and asked for him for letters to the synagogue in Damascus. So if he found any there who belonged to the way, and of course that's the disciples, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Now you see how intense you got to be to grab a woman who has children and take her to jail for Jesus. She, le- she believes in Jesus. You don't like it, so you, you take that woman and put her in jail. I mean, Paul, Paul was just, just intense here. As he neared Damascus. On his journey. Suddenly. Doesn't say he was praying for this. Doesn't say he was looking for this. It just says suddenly. A light from heaven. Flashed around him. This was not a picture guys. This was the Lord Jesus. Having an encounter. With Paul. He fell to the ground. And heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? You hear that, you go, well, I thought Jesus died. I thought he was in heaven. He did die, he is in heaven. But his church isn't dead. His church is the representation of Jesus. It is the very body of Christ. And so all persecution against any member of the church is truly persecution against Jesus Christ. All sad things, every letter that's written about God's kingdom, God's church, is really a letter written against Jesus Christ, who died for you, whether you love him or not. If you love God, that's awesome. Let me tell you something. God loves you. God's love is unconditional. That means he loves everybody. Whether you're a disciple, whether you're not a disciple, whether you're a Christian, whether you're not a Christian, whether you're even entrenched in a false teaching like Paul was, he still loves you. Doesn't mean you have a relationship with God. His love is, let me tell you something, it's conditional. Or his, a relationship with him is conditional. His love is unconditional, but to have a relationship with God, there are conditions that need to be met. And if you do not have a relationship with God, you are not saved. You will burn eternally in the fires of hell. If you are here today, you need to understand hell is a reality. People are going to hell on a daily basis and it will be intense eternally. Let this not be a sermon where you sit there and you walk away and do not change. We ought to be just like the men, the women in the Bible. I saw, I got, I got to change. There's got to be an intensity about my relationship with God. There's got to be an intensity about having an encounter with the almighty God. And yet this is exactly what God was doing with Paul. He, was, he, he, he knocked it. That flash came. 
And you know how light is. Light, light is intriguing. You're, you're drawn to the light. The, the closer you get to light, the brighter it gets. The more intense it gets. The closer you get to God, the, the more intense it gets. That's right. It gets into the more bright you get, and you just whoa. Verse five. Who are you, Lord? So I asked. I am Jesus. Who are you persecuting? You replied. Now get up. Go into the city, and you'll be told what you must do. Something that many people do not like to this day. Don't tell me what to do. Figure it out on my own. Let me study it out on my own. Let me get on the internet. Let me let me talk to people I respect. Don't, don't, don't tell me what to do. That's the world we live in. A rebellious world. Don't tell me a man and a woman, that's God's plan. That if I feel like I love a man, don't you tell me what to do. Let me tell you something. That is perversion in the eyes of God. It's perverse just like every other sin in Galatians chapter 5 verse 19. It's perverse just like the pornography I looked at. All the other wicked sins, homosexuality is perversion in the eyes of God. And yet, we don't say that just to be down on people like that, but to state first the truth clearly. Amen. We, we, we live in a world that wants to distill the truth down into sound bites here or there. Don't want to tell the whole gospel message. Preachers don't want to talk about hell. May shake the church all up. And yet that is what we are called to do to shake the world on up. That's, that's Paul. That's Paul. He, he was intense. Couldn't be around Paul if you weren't intense. And yet you see this intense encounter God has with him. This intense time that God, God is trying to, trying to get him to see God through it all. Verse 7. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. I mean, I would be too. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground. Open his eyes, he can see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. How humbling would that be? You've been killing Christians, and now the very people you've been killing have to lead you like a child by the hand. God will go through extreme measures to lead you, He will take it all away to lead you. He will take every single thing. He will take it all away. So you need him. Not that it's a good idea, but that you need God. That was my problem. I didn't see I needed God. Do you see your need for God? Paul didn't see it. Until God had this incredible encounter with him. They lead him. Verse 9, it says, For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. How'd you like that one? God, take away your eyes for three days. You'd be scared, wouldn't you? If you walked out of here today and all of a sudden you could not see a thing, you would know God has got his hand on me. If you walked out of here today and could not hear a thing, you'd know God's got his hand on me today. If you walked out of here today and said, wow, all of a sudden you find out you've got cancer and you've only got a few days to live, God's got his hand on you. Let me tell you something. God... Almighty is able to humble the proud. He is able to force you to recognize his voice. And this is what's going on right here with Paul. In Damascus, verse 10, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called him in a vision. Ananias, this is very cool. See, God is always working on both ends. 
He's working on that individual he's trying to have, have an encounter with him. And he's also working on the disciple that he's calling to go preach the word right there. So when you share your faith with someone God puts on your heart, it's not just God is just working. He's working on both ends. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for the man from Tarsus named Saul. He's praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. The Lord Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man. And I am a harm. He has done to your saints in Jerusalem. How would you like to go share your faith with Hitler? What would you do? I want you to go to this man and tell him he is lost. Tell him he is going to burn eternally in the fires of hell if he does not fall on his knees and worship Jesus Christ. Now let me tell you something. This is not an option for you to pray about. I'm commanding you. Now go. Have a great day. <laughs> what would you do? Think about it. Get some advice. Pray about it. Intense, is it not? Verse 14. Says he's come here with authority from the chief's priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and for the people of Israel. that I've had to suffer for the name of Jesus, I would have I ran right there on the moment and somebody did the word of God study with me. God showed Paul everything he would suffer for his name before it happened. How'd you like that one? This is how you're going to suffer in your marriage. This is how you're going to suffer as a single. This is how much money you're going to have to, this is the lifestyle you're going to, this is the country you're going to live in. These are the negative things that are going to be said about you. This is how your kids won't respect you. This is how your wife won't respect you. This is how your husband won't respect you. This, these are the things you're going to suffer for my name. Now, is that, is that good enough count because you're ready to get baptized? We want to know so much, don't we? Tell me everything. I want the roadmap for my life before I can commit to it. God doesn't give you a roadmap. He gives you relationships. He gave, and he gave oh, you want a roadmap? He didn't give Paul a roadmap. He gave man advice. A lot of us, we want to know the will of God. God's will is revealed through the man of God. Through the will of God. God used Ananias to lead Saul and help him understand his calling was Paul. And yet we live in a society that didn't trust. We don't trust people. And God uses people. Why do you think Jesus came? To be a man, to show people the very nature of God. Fleshly. We need a flesh and blood example to lead us in the way, to take us by the hand. And yet we can still, we, I don't know if I want <laughs> We can shy away from relationships that challenge us because they're intense. Yet we see the intensity of this relationship with God. Saul's relationship with Ananias. Verse 16, or verse 17. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. 
placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road to Damascus, appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you might see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes. He could see again. He got up, was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength, and the church said, When's the last time you had an intense encounter with God? I hope it's today. I hope you've come for the first time, and this is intense. Good. God wants to have an encounter with you. To show you he is real. To show you he can humble the proud, and he wants to have a relationship with you. And that's our first point. An intense encounter with God. An intense encounter with God. When, when was the last time you had an encounter with the almighty God? And it was intense. It shook you up. It knocked you off. It blinded you for a bit. It was so bright. It blinded you. The truth was so evident. It blinded you. That, that, that was my experience when I studied the Bible. Let me tell you, I, I had my encounters with God before I become a Christian. But by my life, I persecuted the church. I persecuted Jesus. I was so arrogant, so proud. I had racial thoughts. I, I had all my different ways I act towards people. With my black friends, got to be black. Yo, what's up? <laughs> with my white friends, hey, how are you, John? Great. Good to see you. <laughs> Fabulous. Would you love a bagel? Sure. Great. Uh huh. <laughs> Asian friends. Oh. Foe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bruce Lee. <laughs> Just arrogant. Chameleon. Impurity. Lust. Learn from a man? <laughs> you kidding me? I am the man. I don't trust people. I'm mad. I'm bitter. I was abandoned at the age of 14. I don't trust no one. My mother left me for crack cocaine, and I was a top student. That's what happened to me. And that's the attitude I had when I had my encounter with God. Through the word of God, through the disciples. And you know what the disciples, they were, I, I, they, I, I so respect them. I studied the Bible seven different times. I counted the cost seven times, seven times. Hey, he's going to get baptized. Where is he on Sunday? What happened? That guy's going to get back. Gone. And every time God humbled me, knocked me down again to where I needed the Christians. I needed God. And yet there's some of you, you need God. You need the Christian. You need the church. Need you. you need the church. And yet, th- th- this is this what happened to me, and it was it was. It, thank God, thank God, He helped me, and I became a Christian. And thank God, I'm here today. I get to live another day. Are you having an intense encounter with God? Are you having? Are you an intense disciple? Are you more like your culture, or more like your calling? You more American? Smile, ha, 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 ha. But you're not intense about God. You more African? Or are you more of a disciple? You more like your culture? Or you more like the word of God? Are you more like the men of God, the women of God in the Bible who were intense? I, I see from myself, I got, I, I got, I, I, I lost my intensity. Lost it. I've seen that about myself. That I need to have intense encounters with the Almighty. 
God. If you're not having an intense encounter with God, you'll never be that intense disciple that changes the world. For disciples who changed the world were intense. They were focused. They were obsessed. They were, they were driven by something other than just the relationship. They were driven by Jesus Christ and the forgiveness of all their sins. The grace they received, the fact that they were saved, they, they, they got it. And they changed the world. But we throw that statement out there. I go, that, that's, not, that's not something you just throw out there. How can you change the world if you will not allow yourself to be changed? If you're not having that intense encounter with God and he's showing you this is the way, this is your church, this is your calling, this is your, these are your friends, these are the relationships I want you to have. We've got to become a, an intense group of disciples. But that won't happen by intense sermons only. You've got to have an intense encounter with God. I pray you have an intense encounter. This morning I had prayer. I said, God, just do whatever you need to do to me. Whatever you need to do. I had, I had, a, I had a great, nice little humbling experience this week. I had to go to the hospital. Yep. Had to go to the hospital. And, you know, I work out six days a week. Try to eat healthy here and there. I, you know, have my snack foods here. I, that goes for a little while to get back on my diets. I mean, Blaze is always making fun of me. He sees a little green juice. Blaze, would you like some Blaze? I said, no way. <laughs> and I'm trying to be all healthy. And, and yet, something super humbling happened to me. I had to go to hospital. I was there. and Wow. And it was intense. I don't go into details, but let's just say it ended with the doctor giving me a medication. A suppository. I know what that meant. Until the end of the, everything, I found out what that meant. I went, this is intense. <laughs> I just go, wow. God is still training me. He's still discipling me. He's still got his hand on me. Trying to mold me into be the man he wants me to be for his glory. And it was an intense encounter. Are you, are you having an intense encounter with God? Or is this just church to you? It's just an hour and a half and then you got to go. Get your kebab sandwich, get, get, get your food, you go. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Paul on the road to Damascus, God, God, God showed him. <laughs> he showed him through Ananias what his calling was. And I love this scripture in 1 Thessalonians. Of course, Paul said this with the help of the men that were in his life there. In verse 4, he says, For we know brothers loved by God. He's chosen you. Do you feel chosen by God? Our gospel came to you not simply with words, with power, the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. In spite of severe suffering, you welcome the message with joy given by the Holy Spirit. Now, it could have said you welcome the message from the Lord and in us. There are even people that say this scripture was written wrong. It could say you welcome the message from the Lord, then us, because, you know, you've got to put God first, right? But it says you welcome the message from us and of the Lord. Why does he say that? You, you need people to guide you. 
This church cranked because they imitated. They imitated. That's how it did well. They didn't come up with their own way, their own, own plan. They imitated. Do you, who, do you imitate? Are you imitating someone right now who's got a fierce intensity about them? Are you imitating? Paul says you became imitators of us and of the Lord. Often that is the, the great barometer for growth to see how much you are imitating the individual who God has put in your life to lead you on your road to Damascus. Shows your humility. People stop studying the Bible because it's an intense encounter with God and they love Satan more than they love God. There's no such thing as someone who doesn't become a disciple and has a good heart. You've got a bad heart. If you don't believe Jesus Christ died for your sins and you need to become a disciple, you've got a bad heart. And if you don't want to become a disciple because it's such an intense encounter, that, that may be, you may need to be handed over to Satan to be taught not to blaspheme and just have him disciple you in the world for a little while. Then you'll come back grateful. People stop studying the Bible because it's intense. But you know, sadly, there's some disciples that start, oh, maybe, I don't, maybe I should lower my, you know, let me get somebody who, who I don't want to be so intense anymore. Disciples stop growing because of the intensity of growth that God is calling of them. They stop growing. Every area in my life where I've stopped growing, it's because God is doing something intense with me, and I, and, I, and I just fight it. He wants me to give up something, do something, go somewhere. And recently, I've been having some pretty intense conversations with the man of God that God has put in my life. Of course, all the brothers here, but, but of course, Kip, and I'm going, oh my goodness, I see God waking me up again. Disciples stop growing because of the intense encounters with the men and women of God that God has put in their life. And we can't run from our encounters with God or the intense encounters through discipling, which is our second point. Being discipled with fierce intensity. Paul was discipled with fierce intensity by God. Of course, we see Ananias right there and then later on, but by God. God got into his life and discipled him. Back to Acts chapter 9. You guys still with me here? It says, Saul spent several days, in verse, verse 19 says, he spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once he began to preach in the synagogue that Jesus is the Son of God. Now, we got to hold on for a minute. The Bible says at once he began to preach. However, right here, and many historians and scholars believe this, when, when Saul, who became Paul, got converted, he did not go directly to Jerusalem. He did not join the disciples right away. You say, well, what happened? Well, turn over to Galatians chapter 1. In Galatians chapter 1, it tells you what happened after he got baptized right there on the road to Damascus. It says in Galatians 1, verse 13, You've heard my previous way of life in Judaism. How I intensely persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. Wow. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many Jews of my own age. And I was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from birth, called me by his grace. I mean, you believe you were set apart from birth? 
I, I believe that. I believe every single, I believe God is sovereign. I believe every single thing in my life that has happened, God has allowed it or he's caused it. He is sovereign. I believe, do you believe God is sovereign? Paul believed God was sovereign in everything. Says what he called me? By his grace. Was pleased to reveal his son to me. So I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not consult any man. Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was. But I went immediately into Arabia. And later returned to Damascus. Then after three years of being personally discipled by Jesus Christ. I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Peter and stay with him for 15 days. I mean, the leader's got to go, okay, bro, where'd you come from? What church you come from? I used to do all this kind of, what what happened here? Help me out right here, son. You can just come floating on into the fellowship right here. Who who are you? What's going on here? Had a little D time there with Peter, 15 days. Says, I saw none of other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother, amen. That'd be freaky to have a guy look just like Jesus in the fellowship. Wouldn't it be weird, though? Dude, you look just like Jesus. Who are you? Oh, Lord's brother. Okay. That'd be weird. But amen. Verse 20. says, I assure you before God, what I'm lying to you is not a lie. People believe he was lying back then. Later, I went to Syria and Sicily. Sicilia, rather. I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard the report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praise God because of me. Pretty cool, huh? He goes to Arabia. And as you go throughout the book, Luke was a doctor. He wrote the book of Acts. Doctors don't just leave stuff on out unless they're bad doctors. I don't believe God would use a bad doctor to write the book of Luke. And people like MJ, can, she can attest to this. So proud of all the disciples that ran that 10K right there. How intense was that? A lot of us don't know because we didn't run it. <laughs> but I saw MJ this morning. She said, bro, it was, it was intense. I'm feeling it in the legs right here. I go, I'm with you in spirit, sister. <laughs> I believe Paul Busari came in first right there. Sean came on in right there, and then, then, then of course there was MJ. I go, wow, how, how intense! We got some intense disciples. <laughs> Christine Alamo as well. Christine. Yet we see how intense God discipled Paul. He goes to Arabia, and yet nowhere in the book of in the book of Acts does it talk about all the beatings, all these different things that happened to Paul. Many historians, many scholars, I myself believe a lot of what we hear that you don't see adding up in the letters or in the book of Acts probably happened while he was being personally discipled by Jesus. Probably happened while he was there. Because in Galatians chapter 4, verse 25, it says that's where Arabia is. So if he went to Arabia with Jesus, Jesus probably took him to Mount Sinai, which was in Arabia, rather. Probably took him to Mount Sinai, which is where Moses got the law. And he probably laid it out. Hey, I want you to go to the Gentiles. I want you to preach. Here's what's going to happen. And probably to get up that mountain, it took some physical strength. Probably he had to preach the word. He had to share his faith. He probably went through a whole lot in Arabia, being personally discipled. That's why when he came back, 
He was hard line. He allowed himself to be transformed through discipling. Of course, his was personal discipling by Jesus. In Acts chapter 13 and verse 46, after he got baptized, the Bible says this, Then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly, We had to speak the word of God to you first. Since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. For this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles. Verse 49. The word of the Lord spread through the whole region. But the Jews incited God-fearing women of high standing and leading men of the city. I mean, if Paul was in London, the queen would come out to put him to test. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from the region. So they shook the dust off their feet in protest against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. After his conversion, he's still getting persecuted. Acts chapter 14 and verse 19. says, then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul. Dragged him outside the city. Thinking he was dead. But after the disciples gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. <laughs> the next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby, and the church said, why did he go back? He wanted to prove a point. Disciples are commanded to be tough. How are we going to change the world from that tough? How are we going to do it? Email shake you up in your faith. Imagine that. God, you know, they sent an email. They said we were a cult. And that really hurt my feelings emotionally. I was not able to trust. What a joke. What a joke. What a mockery of God. What a mockery. Paul was stoned. Almost killed. He gets back up, goes back in the city. Says, you guys see that? Okay. All right. Let's go on to Derby. Intense. Acts chapter 17 and verse 5. Let's see what else God used did, did with Paul here. So we bring it in for a close here and hit our last couple of points. In verse 5 says this. But the Jews were jealous. You know, there are individuals that are jealous of God's people. Oh yeah. There are individuals that are jealous. They cannot create what God's people with God, through God, are doing. And there are people right now that are jealous of what's going on in God's modern day movement. So, so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house. And of course, this is after Paul asked for this great faith from God. Help me to preach the word boldly. And then this thing happens right here. God says to Paul, go ahead and preach. I got a lot of people in that city. Don't worry, just preach the word. And so God protects them, but here's what happens. It says they, they rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. When they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other brothers before the city officials shouting, these men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here, and Jason has welcomed them into his house. Jason cranks, does he not? Jason didn't go, wow, man, I don't want to be associated with Paul. I could go through some things, too. He does. He gets associated with Paul. He goes through some things. And if you're Paul, you're going, ooh, 
Oh, well, that's the cost of following God and me. That's the cost. Yet Jason was a sold-out disciple. You see how intense it was to follow the man that God allowed to write most of the New, New Testament. In Acts chapter 18 and verse 9. One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. For I have many with you. For I am with you, rather. And no one is going to attack and harm you. Because I have many people in this city. I got ahead of myself. This is the scripture I was thinking of. Sorry. <laughs> so Paul stayed for a year and a half teaching them the word of God. What happens in verse 16? It says, so he had them ejected from the court. Verse 17. Then all turned on Sosthenes, the synagogue ruler, and beat him in front of the court. But Galileo showed no concern, whatever. Here's another guy, Sosthenes. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1, it teaches that Sosthenes, this guy who gets beaten for hanging out with Paul, became a disciple. That's what it said. Okay, I guess you don't believe me. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 says, Paul called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes. Pretty cool, huh? He's hanging out with Paul. Gets the trash beaten out of him. He goes, yeah, that's the approval of God. That's, that, that's the sign. I'm ready to get baptized. <laughs> get baptized. He gets baptized, and he, he's with Paul right there in Corinth right there. We know what happened at the end of Paul's life. We understand he was killed. He was martyred. He's martyred. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Verse 12, Paul's perspective of it all. Since everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be what, church? What a great heart towards being discipled by God. Everyone who wants to live a godly life will be persecuted. That highlights that if you're not being persecuted, how godly is your life? It isn't godly. You lost your intensity. You lost it. Maybe you never had it. This, this is what was stirring on my heart. You know, we've been getting some letters against the church and all that and saying negative things about us, you. That's bad, but I, I went. Maybe I've lost my intensity. Maybe, 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 maybe this is just too. It's not. Maybe you lost something. A step here, Michael. What's powerful about Paul, he never lost a step. 30 years into his Christianity, he says, I want to know Christ. Still seeking to have that intense relationship, that intense discipling by God, because it takes that to change the world. That's what it takes to change the world. We are not going to comfortably evangelize the world. We're not going to comfortably move our region, move our body. I just went, I got to repent. I've got to repent. What about you? Are, are you intense? Are you willing to allow intense discipling in your life? The world we live in now, when comes, especially when it comes to Christians, let's not bring any attention to ourselves. It's all about God. Let's, let's not be too controversial. Don't want to be too controversial. It's all about God here. Let's not have a 
political stand. Let's let's shh, don't want to know anybody. You know, we're trying to change the world. Don't want to just keep it low. Yeah, just want to don't want anybody to know that we're trying to change things here. Just want to just be calm here. Calm. Matthew chapter 11 says the kingdom of God is forcefully advancing and forceful men lay hold of it. Violent men are the translation. Violent men take it by force. I understand we are in a challenge of raising our missions contribution. It's a challenge for all of us. The money is going to go to hire young people in this church. I got three that I've, I've, I've got my eye on and some of the leaders we got our eyes on. They exude humility. A willingness to learn, willing to get discipled, and they exude a heart. Those that don't exude that heart, they will not, this church, we will not sacrifice any finances for anyone who is not willing to have the heart where they're willing to get discipled, learn, and to go anywhere, do anything, and give up everything, and to be loyal. Are you with me here? So our finances are going to go to put young people on staff to continue the forceful advancement of this church here. My vision is for us to plant a church by the winter workshop at the end of this year. Who's going to lead it? I have no idea. But our mission's contribution is going to go to some young people that really want it. And those that don't want it, that's between you and the Lord. We need to work our, 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 our tails off to hit our mission's contribution. I've been proud of the church. A lot of you have worked very hard. A lot of you worked tirelessly. I, I got home on Saturday. I, I was I had I had in humility. I had I just had to call Georgia and Helica. I just I'm so sorry I can't come to your to the party. I want to party. <laughs> I love the party. But man, I'm so tired here. I just had the car boot sale. Me and Hillary Donnelly were hanging out all day together. It was awesome. She heard all my conversion stories and she she's like, What in the world? You went through that? Okay, hey man, maybe. Okay, maybe this is the man of God. God's putting my okay. It, it was a great time, and Hillary's got a sense of humor. But let me tell you something. One of the, one of the disciples I'm most proud of in this church is Hillary Dunley. Amen. Satan took her husband. Took him. He, he comes to church. We treat him with love, with kindness. He is not a disciple. Not a disciple. Most of you know that. That's not a, a downer on him. He understands that. We're, we're in talks right there. It's not, not a negative, but that's just the truth. He's not a Christian, not a disciple. And so we're working on him, and he's making some great, great strides, but yet that intense discipling by God to come on Hillary. And I, I'm go- what she do? She turns around. She, she gets restored. She's all radiant. She's bubbly now. And she helped Mama Sue get baptized last week right there. Amen. time for us to regain our intensity as a church for the month of march uh, i'm organizing uh or for the month i'm sorry for the month of may i am organizing a march for morality here in london i'm calling all disciples in london in our church to be with us i'm also going to be calling other individuals to come and join us we will march against the immoral things that are happening in this city we're going to start at oxford circus I have three names for the march. Uh, I'm open to being persuaded to a different name. Uh, the first name is Jesus is Lord of all or not Lord at all. 
That's the first march. The second is saved or lost. Where are you? A little intense, but amen. The third is you can change. I'm open to being persuaded and talked to about it. If I'm down there marching by myself, I will march alone. I'm calling men, I'm calling women, I'm calling children, I'm calling all of us to get out there and preach the word and march in this city and march against homosexuality, march against Buddhism, march against Catholicism, march against Pentecostalism, to march against a a lukewarm Christianity that's making the real men and women that actually want to know God put off by it. I'm, I'm calling for us to march and to get out there. It's going to be on a Saturday. It's going to be awesome. We're going to shake things on up. Are you with me, church? Back to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. Number 3. We've got to preach with fierce intensity. We've got to preach with fierce intensity. Still hanging out verse 19. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once he began to preach in the synagogue. Jesus is the son of God. Hold on. The New Testament isn't completed. This guy proved Jesus was the Messiah from the Old Testament. Pretty hot, huh? Pretty intense. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't he the man who has havoc in Jerusalem? Among those who call on his name, hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners, the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Christ. And the church said, Amen. got right into it and automatically started preaching the word of God. There was an intensity about him. You know, I went to campus Bible talk this week. I had a ball. I had a ball because we, we, we had a young man. Right in our midst right here, who did an incredible Bible discussion. It it, it was so awesome, I stole one of his tricks. (laughs) See, see, as a disciple, you you are a learner. And when when I saw that young man, I went, oh, baby. This young man, ooh, this this is what I'm talking about. He, he did a Bible talk, and of course, this, this, is, this, is, this is Big Charles right there sitting in the back. The guy who serves, who picks up the chairs. He did an amazing Bible discussion. It was, it was fun, it was uplifting, but it was intense. He put together this statement that had all these different words, and in each word, there was the letter F. And then he handed it to us and said, okay, you got five seconds to count the number of Fs. So everybody opened it up, and some people said two, some people said three, some people said four. A couple of people said the real correct number, which was six. Close up the paper, close up the paper. Everyone closed the paper. He says, how many say one? One person. How many say three? I put my hand up. In confidence. <laughs> then there was a couple of people that were really focused. How many say five? Yeah. Got smaller. Then there was a couple of people. How many say six? And there's a... Charles goes, Brother Michael, how many did you say? I go, three. He goes, it's six. And 
so we open up the paper and we realize we overlooked a bunch of F's because it's so easy with these kind of little, little challenging little games to just overlook and just graze past it. And he says, you know, that's exactly like our sin. We overlook our sin. We only see one, two, three, when there's a lot more sin there. That's the first question for this Bible talk. I went, oh. That's what I'm talking about. 19 visitors at that Bible discussion. Everybody, guys, girls, that was a little, little I mean, little sweet little girls, kind of like Tuli. You know how Tuli is. Tuli's just sitting there. Really Tuli's intense, though. She's hard line. She's hard line. She doesn't mess around. She wants to go on a mission team. I couldn't help but laugh because, you know, there's all these, all these black guys and all these Asian girls right there. And I just, okay. That's the Lord disciple. Again, right there. Okay. My wife's Asian. Okay. Awesome. Thanks. But what, what, what impressed me. What impressed me was, you know, you know, Charles hasn't been with us a long time, but it's his, his intensity has been felt from day one, his intensity to really be that man of God. And yet there are others in the, in the fellowship that I'm very proud of, but that discussion was awesome. I went, God is, God is, God is getting us. He's got us a leader right here. Maybe, maybe. Amen. Charles. Paul proved that Jesus was the Messiah from the Old Testament. So Paul would say something like, Jesus came from the line of Abraham as prophesied in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. And it was fulfilled in Matthew chapter 1. Paul would say something like, Jesus was prophesied to be the Messiah in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. And it was fulfilled in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 through 23. Paul would say, Jesus will... Be a descendant of Isaac and Jacob. And that prophecy was fulfilled in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 2. Paul would say, Jesus was born in the town of Bethlehem. Micah chapter 5 verse 2. That prophecy was fulfilled in Luke chapter 2 verse 1 through 7. Paul would say, Jesus will be called out of Egypt. Hosea chapter 11 verse 1. And yet the fulfillment is seen in Matthew 2 verse 13 through 15. Jesus will be a member of the tribe of Judah. Genesis chapter 49 verse 10 and the fulfillment. Luke chapter 3 verse 3. Jesus will enter the temple. Very important. Because the temple was supposed to be destroyed in 70 AD. And never to be rebuilt. That prophecy was Malachi chapter 3 verse 1. Fulfilled in Luke chapter 2 verse 25 through 27. Jesus will be from the line of David. King David. Prophecy. Prophecy was in Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 5, fulfilled in Matthew 1, verse 6. Jesus' birth would be accompanied with great suffering and sorrow. That prophecy was in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 5, fulfilled in Matthew 2, verse 16. Jesus will live a perfect, sinless life, die by crucifixion, be resurrected, ascend into heaven, Sit at the right hand of God. Many prophecies in the Old Testament about that. Psalms chapter 22, verse 16. Psalms chapter 16, verse 10. Isaiah 53, verse 10 through 11, the scripture we use often in the cross study. Psalm 68, verse 18. Psalms 110, verse 1. All fulfilled in 1 Peter, chapter 2, verse 21 through 22. Pretty powerful, is it not? Yes. Yeah. 
probably what Paul would have said. Because Paul wanted to be prepared to answer everybody who asked him, why, why, why are you part of the London International Christian Church? Why are you willing to give up anything, go anywhere? That, that would have been Paul's heart. And I know that's our heart. Amen. To study out the word of God and to be prepared to answer. You know, I, I started looking up, as I was looking at all these prophecies, because there was over 400 prophecies that were proven. Yeah. Over 400 prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. Amen. And yet I, I started kind of looking up some mathematical kind of stats right there. And, of course, there's this guy, this scientist, who wrote this incredible book. He's from Chicago, and he's an apologist. His name is Peter Stoner. Interesting name. But he, but he, he, says, he says something very interesting. He says, the probability of a man fulfilling eight, just eight of the prophecies... The probability of Jesus fulfilling just eight of the prophecies in the Old Testament to the New. It would be like one in the tenth to the seventeenth power of a chance that he could just fulfill eight. And Jesus fulfilled over 400. What does that look like? What's the visual? That would be like taking 100 zillion coins pound coins, spreading them throughout all of Europe. Mark one coin, the Messiah coin. Stir the pot, allow years to go on and on and on. Allow people the ability to travel as far as they want, but only can pick up one coin. That will be the chance of one out of eight prophecies being fulfilled. And Jesus fulfilled over 400. One in 100 zillion. Not one in 100,000, 100 million, 100 billion, 100 trillion. What's after? Yeah, zillion is after that. One in 100 zillion. Is that intense? Science does not go against the Bible. It proves the Bible. It proves the Bible. Don't let any skepticism at uni, by friends, or even in your own heart, doubt that Jesus is the Messiah. We are only saved through Jesus Christ. He is the only one to be worshipped. And we've got to preach that. With fierce intensity. Turn to Philippians chapter 1 in closing. What does that look like? Well, let's see what happened with Paul. What it meant to him to preach with fierce intensity. It didn't mean just having a great argument. In Philippians chapter 1 in verse 15, Paul says this. He says, it's true. That some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. What does it matter? (laughs) The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives 
or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, and because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. He's getting ready to be killed, guys. Getting ready to be killed. Since I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage, so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or death. For to me, to live is Christ. And to die is gain. Paul. Paul says, okay, I'm alive. The only reason I'm alive is Jesus. Awesome to get a college degree. That's, that's awesome. But really, I'm, I'm alive for Jesus. Awesome to have great family, great kids. Really, I'm alive for Jesus. In fact, history says that they believe Paul because he was part of the Sanhedrin and he was one who had to cast one of his votes. They were actually get Stephen killed. History, some of it, it's not proven, but many traditions says Paul was married. And got, when he got baptized, his wife didn't like it and, and left him. And that's how he became single. That's, some people believe that. Yet we see right here, it just says, for him to live is Christ. There was nothing more important than Christ, the mission of Christ, the gospel of Christ, the view of Christ. Nothing more important. Kids couldn't take it away from him. Persecution couldn't take it away from him. Fast brothers, true brothers, nobody could take it away from him. And yet he says this. If I'm to go on living in this body, this will mean what? Fruitful labor for me. Yeah, what shall I choose? I don't know. I'm torn between the two. <laughs> I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far than the church said. Amen. Paul saw his life all about fruit. Oh, just, it just, it's all about just fruitful labor. Fruitful labor. I am saved to serve. That's how Paul saw his life. Disciples stop growing when they stop trying to be fruitful. When's the last time you were fruitful? Some of you will be gone because you don't believe in making disciples. Some of you are on the way out. I see it in your eyes. I, I, I see it. I see you, 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 you lose. You don't understand all the good things you can have in getting in a Bible study and calling someone to follow the scriptures. This is your calling. God has chosen you. God believes in you. God wants to use you. And yet if you are not out there being fruitful, sharing your faith, calling people to follow Jesus Christ, to become a disciple, if you're not growing, you're dying. If you're not growing, you're dying. If the church is not growing, the church is dying. And far be it for us to let the glory depart. And God to cast his stamp, Ichabob. In that Bible stuff. Ichabod in London. Ichabod. There's no growth. The glory. And that's what Ichabod means. The glory as a part of 1 Samuel chapter 4. Are you fired up to make disciples? Amen. Are you fired up about it? 
Do you see it as God's calling? There's no one who is in this room that God cannot use. There's absolutely no sin. And you know what, what, what stops a disciple from being intense sometimes? They just got hidden sin in their life. Got hidden sin. I tell you, that, that, that really hurt me early as a disciple. It's just having those hidden, quiet reservations, hidden thoughts, hidden sin. And if you don't have a pure heart, you can't see God. Matthew 5, verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And it's, it, it never fails. Every time we have our special missions where we have to give that money, it just purifies the hearts of the church right there. All of a sudden, it's just a little quieter, a little bit more, what's he got to say? A little more, mm, a little more skeptical. A little more, where's the money going? A little little, little bit more of that comes out right there. And yet if we're going to change the world, we're going to need every single dollar, pound, drachma. The list goes on. What's the currency over there in Nigeria? Naira? We need Nairas. There's a story of a man, fishing story, and uh, very uncanny story. People, people were wondering why this guy, I mean, this guy had absolutely, I mean, he had the worst fishing pole. He, he had, I mean, he looked like he could scare the fish away. Instead of, people, how was this guy catching so many fish? And he had, he had a very uncanny way of doing it. Another guy hears of his great success, so they say, let's hide and find out what he's really doing. How's he getting all these fish, catching all these fish? So the guy gets up early in the morning, and these two guys, they decide to hide. And they're on the other side of the lake while he's getting ready to begin fishing. And the guy wades out a little from the shore. This is the guy that's going fishing. And uh, these two guys are watching and say, what, what kind of trick? Why, how's he so fruitful? What's happening? He's only got one pole, and he's got all these fish all the time. And uh, so the guy, guy oh, takes out his fishing pole, throws it out, opens a rusty old tackle box and puts a little worm on it, throws it out there. And uh, he waits. Fisher guys are watching, see what's going to happen. Then the guy, guy take, takes, takes out this stick of dynamite. <laughs> and he lights it. And he sees one fish, he got a little, little bite, and he throws the dynamite in the water. It blows up, all the fish just rise to the top. They're watching, and then he just takes his net and he scoops all the fish, puts it in the boat. Sometimes it just takes an incredible intensity to be very fruitful. Not this one fish out of the you just get to blow things on up. An incredible amount of intensity to get an incredible harvest. And so I go, wow. Maybe God needs to send a stick of dynamite into the London International Christian Church to spread us out. That'd be intense, wouldn't it? If God caused something, and I'm telling you, I I said that prayer, I'm I'm praying, just throw the stick of dynamite into the church. Spread us out. Send us. At first, 
I prayed about a week ago, something similar. I didn't think it would happen. And then Charles Anate, you know, I get a call from you. I'm saying, bro, bro, we think Charles Anate has got to leave and go back to Nigeria. Of course, a few weeks ago, we talked about accidental missionaries. You didn't plan it, but all of a sudden you're a missionary. That's, of course, where our brother Matthew is. He's there in Nigeria right now. He's preaching the word, trying to get a baptism. And I believe we're going to have to send Charles Anate back to Nigeria to join him right there until he can come back with the correct visa. But we've talked about it a little bit right there, and he's going to go back to preach the word right there. Right, Charles? I want to challenge you to pray for the stick of dynamite to go off in your life so you can preach with intensity, so you can have an incredible harvest. I'm praying for myself. I'm praying for this church. And if we are truly going to be God's church, it means fruitful labor. It means people getting baptized every single week and staying faithful. I was so proud of the disciples this week, the sisters, because they had a situation where someone wanted to become a disciple, but really they didn't. They wanted to be baptized more than they wanted to be a disciple. I just want to be baptized. Baptize me. Yeah, but you're not humble. Yeah, but you can't be taught. Yeah, but you want to dictate the flow of everything. You don't want to be taught by the relationships that God has put in your life. And the sisters go, sorry, you can't get baptized. You know what the individual says? Oh, I'll, find, I'll go to another church. That's the society we live in. You get in somebody's life and all of a sudden you, you become that bus stop believer. I'll go to the church that's close to the tube station by my house. I'm a bus stop believer. I don't want that intensity in my life. I, I want a calm, smooth gospel message. I want the lowest price. I want Jesus at a discount. How low can I get my price? What's the lowest possible price I can get my commitment? How cheap is your church? How, what do you guys charge to become a member? What's the cost? What's the cost to be a part of your church? How, how long can, before I can get a wife, before I can get a, you know, become a leader? How much, how much does it cost? What's, what's the price to join a London International Christian Church? Ooh, they call you a cult. Ooh, that's, oh, that's, that's a little. <laughs> Online, they got some other churches a lot cheaper. Yeah. That's expensive. Come on. Wait, you got to come on Sundays early? Ooh. Oh, that costs a lot. I mean, I love my sleep. I love the way I'm just getting overweight and my stomach is hanging over my pants right there. I love to sleep. Oh. That church is too expensive for me. Date only Christians? Oh, oh, that's expensive. Oh, I mean, I want a worldly, worldly girl so I can go burn in hell right along with her. I want a girl with a skirt right up to her ankles, right up over her knees. That's what I want. I want a, I want a, I want a worldly girl. I want a guy who's got the, you know, he's, he's got all these muscles here and he's weak inside. He doesn't love God. He loves me anymore, loves God. I can tell him whatever. I can blink my eyes and he'll move to here, go there, go there. That's the kind of man I want. That's the kind of church I want to go to. I'm going to do a black church. Skin looks like mine. Black church. I'm going to go to black church. That's the kind of church I'm going to go to. I mean, I'm, I mean, white people have hurt me in my life. This church is too black for me. I'm going to go to a white church where everybody's all calm, quiet, reverent before the Lord, not excited, too excited. 
American, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> Figures. Americans. What a white church. Listen. Guys, we're not intense enough. I'm a little afraid. If I can be honest, I'm a little afraid. Some of us don't have that eye of the tiger. It's not there. And when Jesus comes back, he comes to judge the church first. Will you be taken to heaven? Will you go to heaven if you die today? I want to talk to the disciples. Would you actually go to heaven? If you're insecure about that, you need to get open. You need to get intense about your relationship with God. You need to allow intense discipling in your life. And you need to be fruitful. If you've not been fruitful, be afraid. If you're not helping people, be afraid. We've got a mission to accomplish, to get the gospel all around the world. God has entrusted us. Let us not fail him. Let us imitate our brother Paul. Let every single member of the London International Christian Church have an intensity about God, about being with one another, and about the mission to make disciples in every single nation in this generation. And to God be all the glory. We would like to thank you for listening to that episode of the podcast. If you would like video versions of these episodes, whether it's sermon highlights or interviews, feel free to check us out on our website or view them on our YouTube channel. That's londonchurch.org.uk. That's L-O-N-D-O-N-C-H-U-R-C-H.org.uk. And for all other updates and information, whether it's services, events, or devotionals, you can find all that on our website also. Once again, we'd like to thank you for listening and we'll catch you on the next one.